Synthaholics. Synthaholics, thank you so much for downloading this episode. Today, you have myself, Aaron O'Brien, and Dave Duncan. Dave, how you doing? Uh, good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Dave, we are now in book three of Dune, uh, The Prophet, and we are in chapter 38 and 39. This is the chapters we're going to be covering. And we have uh, Harkonnens. That's what we're talking about this episode. Yeah, gotta love them Harkonnens. So... We get the whole thing starts off with uh, the Baron uh, goes into uh, Nephods, his captain of his guards or whatever he calls him, you know, whatever he is. He's uh, the Baron's personal like concubine, not concubine, but yeah, thank God, not that. Um, <laughs> but his own personal, like you know, uh, head of all the his soldiers or whatever Nephod. Yeah, the guy he promoted like after um, Duke Leto let out his bad breath. Yeah, after it killed Pita. Um, yeah, so Nephid's like sitting there high on his drugs, uh, the uh, Sam- Samuda, Samuda, uh, and he comes yelling at Nephid! And apparently, the Baron was in his room with one of his pleasure boys, concubines. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there is. He noticed a blemish on his inner thigh. And what was the inner thigh? It It was a poison dot. Poison needle inside him, ready to, when he's slamming his ass. Oh, man, they're trying to prick his prick. Uh, Yes, so pretty disturbing. So not only is he... I mean, they don't really say what the boy's age is, but I'm assuming it's underage or well, teenage. Well, uh, it's a boy that probably looks like Paul Atreides again, because he's yeah. got a thing for his grandson. Right. Exactly. So, um, anyway, so it, so that's disturbing. But then we find out that uh, when Nephod is... He's confounded, because he just doesn't even understand what's happening, because he's like, what did I do wrong? I don't understand. <laughs> It's like, I told you to look over the slave every little bit, and there was a blemish, and it was a poisonous needle that was in there. So um, this is when we find that Fade Rotha is in... Uh, he's the one who sent the boy. He's trying to uh, uh, accelerate his ascent to the throne. Yeah, so apparently Fade Rotha uh, sent the boy and he is uh, trying to kill his uncle to become the next whatever the Baron is or become the Baron and strangely enough uh, so uh, they have uh, two guards leave to take the boy out of the out of the Baron's quarters and but he realizes that they must be in cahoots with Fade 
So Baron realizes this already, and Nifa is just completely clueless. So he says, I want you to have the slave master uh, garroted, kill him, and then uh, I want you to kill those two guys that just grabbed that boy. And they're like, why those two guys? They're like, just do it. Why not those two guys? And so then he takes Fade. He says, Fade, come to my quarters. And he has Fade walk in front of him. And Fade keeps on thinking that Baron's going to kill him with a poison knife right in the back. So there's this moment where he says he can feel the skin on his back, on Fade's backs crawling because he's just waiting for, anticipating the blade to go into him. And uh, this is where uh, the Baron just basically lays it out like, what the fuck, dude? Like, like why, why are you trying to kill me? And um, uh, so Fade basically is kind of like, well, this is what you want me to do. You want me to take charge and do it. It's like, yeah, but not by killing me. And uh, so one of the things he mentions is that uh, he, he is upset that Fade's obviously tried to, to assassinate him. But he gives him this bargain, and he's going to have Howitt kind of watch over Fade all the time. If you and, stop killing me, <laughs> I'll but let Fade, you live. Fade doesn't even want Howitt around. Fade thinks Howitt should be dead, but uh, the Baron won't kill uh, Howitt. So, uh, so he's basically going to give um, uh, Fade a babysitter. And then well, Fade, I mean, he does wear that really fancy diaper, so I wouldn't be surprised why the Baron thinks he needs a babysitter. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then, so anyway, so uh, uh, the Baron uh, basically, and there's a whole, it's great back and forth, because he even starts talking about, like, uh, I needed to have somebody else kill you, because if I, I killed you myself, then uh, the, uh, the Bene uh would know that I was lying and uh, he says, hey, by the way, how come you never have a Bene Gesserit working for you? And, and Baron's like, I don't like him around. So. After I knocked up that one, I swear I'd never do another one again. But then he realizes that what the Baron's actually aiming for is not just that Fade become the next Baron, but he's trying to poise him that possibly that he could be the next Emperor. So this is like fates all of a sudden like what? It's like I'm I'm grooming you for something even better. Yeah. So um but there's still going to be a punishment and he's gonna kill all the women in the pleasure wing. <laughs> yeah, you get to go do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you gotta kill all of them. And then you and, have to have sex with all the men. Uh I just uh, so gross. Everything about this; these guys are so gross. So um, interesting um, that that's his his angle that he's looking to somehow usurp the emperor and insert fade into it. Um, so that's uh, and then obviously fade just trying to kill his kill his own uncle, who is basically his benefactor. And he talks a little bit even about the the gladiator match that we read uh, a couple chapters back and how he had that fixed. Yeah. Yeah. He did mention that uh, briefly. So, um, and then we go over to, uh, chapter 39 and this is where we have, uh, a, a discussion between how it through for, how it and, uh, the Baron. And, um, they start talking about, it's funny because, 
how it keeps on talking about uh, the the home planet of the Sardaukar Warriors, Assault uh, uh, to Seculus, and and how the uh, Emperor uses this planet as a prison planet, but like the Baron's just not getting it. Like, like yeah, it's it's a prison planet. Why do you keep on focusing on this? And he's like, don't you think Arrakis is like the same thing that's happening? You have these people who are hardened in this terrible, harsh environment, and they become these incredible warriors. Well, isn't that also happening for uh, the Fremen? And and this is where uh, the Baron doesn't thinks that most of the Fremen are dead; that they've been killing all these Fremen. And it's like they're they're almost all dead. We're wiping them out. And he's like, not by my calculations. Like, why why is uh, his uh, his other cousin Raban, who's in charge of Arrakis, why does he keep on asking for more men? Like he has all this attrition of men. Why is he asking for more men? It's like for more sexy time, of course. Is because the Fremen are wiping out the Harkonnen forces uh, more and more. Mm. And uh, or that and yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so he's going through all this thing, and it's like, basically, he's like, and the fighting force that we're seeing here, we're seeing things there, like, um, uh, trained, um, the fighting that we're seeing is, like, uh, or more uh, training that we see from Gurney Halleck in Duncan, Idaho, and, um, but he doesn't make the connection that it could be Paul that's still alive. So, anyway, so, the next thing he says is that he wants, he wants... Uh, Raban to look so bad by him not giving him any more support. Just end support, sending more troops and all the stuff that they uh, Raban asked for to to continue his rule and make Raban look so bad. Then he'll put Fade in his place. And he'll Fade look the take, best ever. Yeah, he'll look amazing. You know, so he'll look great because he'll come there. And but uh, yeah, so uh, in uh, the Baron is very enticed by what he's talking about so uh and, but then he remembers uh also because because he keeps on talking about sardaukar and how you could develop the fremen as your own sardaukar warriors which you know duke leto was already kind of like skirting with not developing it but like using them as a, a, an alliance but um so he's he, he uh how it's thought is Take a select group of people, make them seem like they are like the greatest thing since sliced bread, and that uh, they're the greatest force in the universe. Give them mansions, give them like something to work towards, and they will become your, uh, you know, the the the, the, the greatest warriors. And they're going to wipe out the Sardaukar, and then you can just kind of be like, "Look at me, I can kick uh, uh, the emperor's ass if I wanted to." And he says, remember when you talked to Lord Fennering about making Iraq as a prison planet? Remember that? He says, what did you say to him? And like he says, ah, he seemed a little cagey about that. I'm not really sure why. Ah, that's because uh, Sarkar's warriors' planets, Asaldus Secutus, is uh, their training ground. They take the worst prisoners and they become these hard edged warriors whoever survives and that's what the fremen are so space you spartans yeah basically 
So yeah, so cut off Raban from all his resources, and then uh, Raban will get uh, desperate, look awful, and then replace him with Fade, and that will be, um, you know, that will be the the way to go. So and he'll look uh, so good in comparison. You'll be the bestest president of Arrakis ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> he'll be the, he'll be so bigly. It's 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 an excellent plan, and but during the whole time. Uh, Thufer is just like, I hate this guy. He's awful. He's the most disgusting thing ever. I hate this guy. and But he's still operating and calculating everything for for the Baron. So He's mathing. He's mathing really hard. I don't math harder than anyone's ever mathed before. Uh, so that's these two chapters. Uh, Dave, what do you think about uh, you know the developments we're seeing in uh, with the Harkonnens and um, you know what's happening with uh, on Giddy Prime. It's interesting seeing stuff from their perspective because we don't get a whole lot of the Harkonnens. This is only like no, a, we like, don't. This yeah. is like a fifth, maybe sixth Harkonnen chapter in like the entire yeah. book. Um, <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's it's really nice to see stuff from their perspective and what's going on and and uh, their their plans. Uh, actually, finally getting references from the Emperor that aren't from the Princess Erlam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so we're getting some uh, some information there. They're 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 planning a coup uh, for the emperor, and the emperor's been helping them out so much. So it's like, oh, come on, come on, dudes, just like space politics is super corrupt, just like real politics. Yeah, right, exactly, absolutely. It's, it's all, and I think that's I think that a lot of that was Frank Herbert's kind of like point is that like it's like don't believe in a messiah and. Uh, and don't trust politicians. Yeah, don't trust your leaders because they're just as corrupt. And even if the the best politician shows up, they will end up being corrupt in the end. Yeah, it's you know, it's just it's just kind of how how it goes. Like the fall the fall of man is always always happening, uh, and that seems very much the point of, uh, of Frank Herbert. But I mean, as far as seeing them, it's very interesting um, that especially that that uh, that Freed is uh, Fade Rotha is trying to. Um, you know, kill his uncle just to get the power instantaneously, not even realizing his uncle is doing everything for his best interests and trying to get him to become emperor of the galaxy. I mean, like, that'd be a sweet gig, I guess. I mean, a lot of power. You get, yeah. you get random naked chicks scroll through and it's like, mm, maybe I'm not good enough for that one. We'll send that one to someone else. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's just interesting that he, he tried to kill his uncle and his uncle's like, his uncle's a terrible person, don't get me wrong, but his uncle's also setting him up for a really sweet gig. And then also the interaction with um Thufer. It's just it's just interesting that Thufer is just like, you know, kinda wants to take take down Harkonnen, but also he's just so caught up in his job he's still just doing everything for Harkonnen anyway, so Right, right, yeah, yeah. How about you? Um, just yeah, like you said, very interesting seeing the Harkonnen side of of uh, the the story, um, Baron's just so weird and so gross with his pension for young boys, um, and then um, I, I, the most interesting wasn't so much. I mean, the development of him wanting to put Fadratha onto the throne was uh, the Emperor's throne was interesting, and how he wants to like uh, move into that sphere but more interesting was uh thufer's plan about you know turning 
trying to make the Fremen into his own personal forces and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and by, and choke off Raban's thing. And this is obviously going to work into, uh, you know, Paul, uh, Trades, um, favor, you know, mm-hmm. because Raban's going to be choked off for, uh, any kind of, um, help from Gidi prime for more forces and supplies and this is probably when Paul is going to take advantage of all of that. So, um, which they don't know. And they mention actually in both these chapters, Muadi meaning the mouse, and they're kind of like chuckle at us, it. like, it means the mouse. What is that? <laughs> oh, this little mouse is killing all of our people. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so interesting. And they mention that there's a new like Messiah religion based around Muadib. So they think that, yeah, like, uh, uh, Baron talks to Fade Rotha about it, and then also it's mentioned between uh, Howitt and the Baron as well in the next chapter. So the, it kind of establishes that Paul's already become the messianic, uh, you know, uh, person that we, yeah. yeah that that we were he he was trying to avoid and was worried about. So in three it's, it's years, already in three yeah. years has already happened. It's kind of kind of crazy how fanaticism works. Yeah. Crazy about that. Uh, um, I, I think yeah. it's I think it's interesting that um, with oh God, I lost my train of thought. No, <laughs> saying so. Well, anyways, I just I think that these um, these uh, obviously pieces are all getting set up to fall down, and uh, we're going to see. And then I mean, we only have uh, I believe about yeah, we have like uh, eight more chapters, nine more chapters to go. So we're going to see um, this all get wrapped up pretty quickly of how the Harkonnens are usurped uh, from Arrakis by Paul. Yeah. So. Oh, I was, what I was going to say is, um, I, is, is we haven't like, they haven't really talked about like the space navigators or anything at this point. Yeah, they're, they're only mentioned a couple times, you know, obviously what they do and their function. So We haven't gotten any, like, any in-depth thing on them, and that seems kind of important for how, like, space travel works in Dune. I guess it, they get into it in the next couple books. I don't know. I've got, I've got them on audiobook ready to go, but I just think it's kind of interesting that it's never brought up. And kind of wonder why they were brought into Frank, I mean, into, uh, into David Lynch's version of the movie. David Lynch was like, "We gotta show the navigators because that's all fucking weird." Um, I don't think I don't think David Lynch knew Dune, so I don't know how he knew to bring them up into it. Well, I, he must have read the book. I mean, like we said, I mean, the beginning first like book, the first book of Dune yeah, follows along with the Lynch movie relatively closely. It's later on they start falling off. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I mean, the first part that was like other than cuts. That was noticeably largely different was the, um, you know, like the, they talked about the mouse shadow on the second moon instead of an actual mouse. And yeah, that has, and, nothing, and then, has nothing to do with anything. And yeah. then they changed, like, some of the other lines around there. It was just really weird. I mean, like, I'm mean, sure some other stuff was a little bit different, but I mean, like, to a point, it was, like, pretty close. And then, hmm. and then it's where they start going off the rails there, I guess. Because, I mean, I don't think we ever cut to, you know, the, the fights and this conversation i don't remember this ever happening in the other dune movie yeah with, uh, yeah, with yeah. david lynch i mean there was a weird thing of fate roth in a diaper i mean well i mean like i said they they sting wanted to do it naked and they didn't want to let him the movies uh people came as like nope 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 throw We're, some diapers on that dude throw some diapers 
Oh, mm-hmm. Tilly's bag probably has some diapers. <laughs> <laughs> My nappy. Oh man. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I wonder if in the movie, if they do like the uh, Baron, if they do this scene in the movie, like since they mentioned in the book that uh, they tried to find people that look kind of like Paul for um, the Baron to have. If they put like you know, I can't remember the actor's name is playing Paul, but like put like a prosthetic on his nose, so he kind of looks like you know, you know. He, <laughs> You know, just like make, make him be like the little slave for whatever they're Harkonnen. Because I mean, I don't know. To kind of like add that, like the the weirdness of it. You know what I mean? That would be weird. Well, they, the the book they, they said he looks just like Paul, basically. But I mean, I'm sure he looks different because it's not it's not Paul. So just make the actor look a little bit different. That's possible. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, it's it's. It's weird that they would try to make he would like it's weird like you said that the Baron would try to make that move to get rid of the Emperor and put Phaedroth on it. I mean like I mean how does that like how does that benefit Harkonnen, Baron Harkonnen, Vladimir Harkonnen? I, I mean like I guess it could like give gifts to him, but I mean it sounds like uh, from the book that the Baron's getting old and like he's kind of counting on dying soon anyway. No, he talks about retiring. That's he's, he's like, I'll just you know, I'll retire and you know, go in the background of everything. So, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like that's that's what that's why I mean. Like, it sounds like he's like you know, close to the end of his life. He's gonna just go away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, so right. I, it just seems like I don't know. I, I don't know how much advantage that would be to Vladimir himself. I mean, he, I, mean I, I don't know. I mean, just keeping his name, like, making his family line the the emperor's. Yeah, I that's why I think I, that's where I think it goes more than anything. So, yeah. Um, well, um, interesting, and we're like, like I said, we're getting closer and closer to like this end of this book and seeing how this all wraps up. I mean, final this is the last countdown. That's right, it's the final countdown um, to the guys, one of thirty if, books. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, guys, if you had different thoughts or if there's something that we might have missed or uh, you want to just chime in, definitely let us uh, contact us. You can hit us up uh, by emailing us at uh, synthaholic at yahoo.com. You can also hit us up on our Facebook page, Facebook forward slash groups forward slash synthaholics. And you can go to our Twitter. Our Twitter is synthaholic duo, and you can talk to us there. So um, it's you know it's it's very exciting uh that we're gonna see like some real like real action uh with paul finally uh i mean next chapter is paul trying to ride the worms oh yeah so worm riding worm riding yeah so it's gonna be cool guys so uh all right dave next week we get into the next couple chapters chapter 40 and 41 and we're gonna be riding worms over the hill that's all right all right guys until next week the spice must flow see you then well McCoy my boy come mix me a drink before the night's over I'll puke in the sink and we'll cry till we laugh and we'll both shit our pants you're the best drinking friend I ever had I haven't had any shed it mapes mentions in the book in a while Shed mates, where are you? I mean, I think uh, Stilgar mentioned her a little bit, like when they were in the cave, and that was the last Shedded Mapes yeah. reference. Yeah, or we got. no, the the um, not Stilgar, but the the old Reverend Mother. 
Oh, she mentioned, like, oh, Shadow Mapes talked to me about you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But still, it's just, just kind of funny that, like, Shadow Mapes is, like, got, like, two scenes or three scenes in the book. And, like, she's mentioned, like, she keeps getting mentioned here and there, like, as the book goes on. It's kind of funny. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, I know, but I, I don't think we'll see much of her anymore. And no one's mentioned Dr. Ewing in a really long time. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I know, but Shattered Mapes gets more mentions than Dr. Ewing. Yeah, <laughs> kind of funny. Kind of funny. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, crazy. That was All fun. This- 